The Michigan Wolverines have passed their toughest test of the season so far. So everything is in the clear, right? Wrong. The Wolverines have three more games to go on this journey. But before they can think about Buckeyes and Rose Bowls, they have to focus on the Badgers. Welcome to episode 11 of Road to the Victors, the story of the 1997 Michigan Wolverines. I'm your host, Andrew Hammond, assistant sports editor at the Detroit Free Press. On this journey, we're taking you game by game, week by week, to give you the inside look at how the 1997 Michigan Wolverines captured their share of a national title. Before Michigan can even think about what is ahead of them in the season finale, they've got to hit the road one more time to face the Wisconsin Badgers. But it's not just Michigan and the home stretch. From coast to coast, bowl bids are wrapping up and conference titles are being won. Two games, eight quarters, separate Michigan from a shot at a national title in Pasadena on New Year's Day. They are also the number one ranked team in the country following their impressive win over Penn State the previous week. They are also in a three-team race for the national title, along with Nebraska and Florida State. But first things first, they've got a road trip to Wisconsin at hand. If you want the complete story of the 1997 Michigan Wolverines, the Free Press is publishing a commemorative book. Hail Yes, the story of the 1997 Michigan Wolverines can be purchased at um.pictorialbook.com. If Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State are the top brawlers in the Big Ten, the Wisconsin Badgers are the disciplined and scrappy upstart who has a mean left hook and doesn't mind turning games into a rock fight. In fact, they probably embrace it. After being in the wilderness for nearly 30 years, the arrival of head coach Barry Alvarez sparked a run of success for Wisconsin that remains relevant to this day. In 1993, the Wisconsin Badgers won a share of the Big Ten title and clinched a spot in the Rose Bowl for the first time since 1962. Wisconsin was no longer an easy win on the schedule for Big Ten teams needing to reach a bowl game. Seeing the W in Wisconsin turned from win to worry. Now, the two programs meet in a cold and snowy Camp Randall Stadium with Michigan looking to remind the Badgers that the path to a Big Ten title still goes through Michigan and Ohio State. When we come back after the break, former Free Press sports writer Keith Gave joins us to talk about the Badgers and the Wolverines. We are back with Road to the Victors, the story of the 1997 Michigan Wolverines. The Michigan Wolverines faced the Wisconsin Badgers on a cold but perfect Big Ten weather day in Madison, Wisconsin. A man who was there for that game was Keith Gave. Now, Keith, if you could, could you give us just a little bit of inside baseball? Uh, you weren't at the Penn State-Michigan game the week before, but you were covering a fight, I believe? Yeah, I was covering, uh, I, I think, uh, um, I'm not even, I thought, I honestly thought it was a, uh, one of the uh, uh, Holyfield and um, uh, Holyfield and uh, Tyson fights, but our, uh, my old boss, uh, 
Gene Myers of the Free Press reminded me that it was, I think it was a Michael Moore fight that I was covering out there. I, I even forgot. I do remember watching the game from one of the hotel, uh, uh, I think it was Little Caesars, the uh, the, the, the sports betting uh, uh, operation there, on those great big tall floor-to-ceiling uh, uh, screens, watching the Michigan-Penn State game on TV there and being uh, just being uh, uh, almost uh, – Shocked yeah. at how well Michigan played. I mean, how totally they dominated Penn State the game. I wasn't really expecting that. Uh, and that's what vaulted them to number one, of course. Absolutely, absolutely. And in the 90s and into the 2000s, the Wisconsin program really rose to prominence. Uh, for, for the audience out there, could you just talk about uh, how bad things for, were for Wisconsin football in the pre-Barry Alvarez days? That's a great uh, a great point, uh, Andrew, and I'm glad you you you're uh, you, you're making it. Um, it. This when when Michigan was going into Camp Randall Stadium that day, and I got to tell you, I talked to Lloyd Carr before the game and told him I was a little bit excited about going to Camp Randall because if you're a sports writer or a sports fan, you need to put that on your bucket list. It's it is an if a football Saturdays there are an event like no other in in Big Ten country, and uh, I remember Lloyd saying. Uh, Keith, I'll, I'll promise you two things. It's going to be cold and it's going to be loud. And, and, and he said also, said, this is a very, very good uh, Wisconsin football team. And, it, you know, previous to that, it had been going to Wisconsin was like going to Indiana or Illinois or Northwestern, Purdue, maybe even Michigan State, you know, in those down years. It was one of those easy A's if you're taking, uh, you know, a, a college course, you're going to you could pretty much depend on a win, but Barry Alvarez was was constructing a uh, a powerhouse that really uh, is lasting until today. I mean, he turned that program around. Wisconsin has been a uh, a legitimate power in the Big Ten for the most part since those days in the uh, mid to late nineties. You know, it's kind of crazy. You know, you think about Wisconsin football, and you think about just at that point, they aren't even close to the apex. Yes, they reached the Rose Bowl in 1993-94, but at the same time, it's they're still ascending because they they kind of hit the climax around 99, I would say, with Ron Dane winning right. Heisman. So you right. see that this program is on the come up, and you know you look at Michigan's journey to get to the Rose Bowl. You know you beat Michigan State, you beat Penn State, both of those on the road. You have right. Ohio State next week but Wisconsin this feels like the classic yeah we call it you know the trap games but this feels like one of those where if if I'm Lloyd Carr I am hammering home you finish every play you do everything you have to do because this team this team is going to be a problem for a while and they're going and they're your problem this week so it's it's so fascinating to see how this season unfolds for the Michigan Wolverines. And, and one of the key plays on Michigan's opening drive is Brian Greasy connecting with Charles Woodson, who connects back to Brian Greasy for the rare quarterback screen. Here's how it was called by Frank Beckman and Jim Branstadter of WJR in the Michigan 
Radio Network. Now Howard in motion left. No backs. Here's a lateral to Woodson. He's going to throw the old transcontinental to Greasy. Right side at the 25, the 20, 15, 10, and he's run out of bounds inside the five down at the one-yard line. How do you like that? And I'll tell you what. Charles Woodson comes into the outside. He just drops back three yards, catches a lateral pass from Greasy, then throws it back to Greasy on the right sideline. When Woodson's got the ball, the entire Wisconsin team ran toward him. Greasy was left all alone over there. And how about Woodson? He catches passes, he intercepts passes, and now he throws passes. That play would lead to a Chris Howard touchdown to give the Michigan Wolverines a 7-0 lead. Uh, This was a really old-school, mixed with some new-school football. Michigan is running the ball at a high rate, mixing in some passes, most notably to Charles Woodson. With Michigan looking to get Woodson involved as much as possible, what impressed you about the offensive game plan to include Charles Woodson? It feels like at just the perfect rate, you know, not too much, not too little. It's kind of like, you know, the the Goldilocks and the Three Bears theory, you know, not too hot, not too cold. It's just right. It feels like this is what Michigan is doing really for the first time all season long. Yeah, I, I, you're absolutely right, uh, Andrew. And, and uh, you know, Lloyd Carr had a nice touch, I think, with how to, how and when to use Charles Woodson. And uh, that play uh, kind of surprised everybody. First first set of downs, right? And I got to tell you, as good as Charles Woodson was, and he was great. I voted for him for the Heisman Trophy, and I was there in New York when he won the darn thing. And um, uh, he should have been credited with a touchdown on that play. You know, <laughs> Brian Greasy got tackled at the one, you, you know, he's a little bit like Tom Brady. I like to see those two guys in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a race. Um, you know, you, you, most quarterbacks, you can, uh, you can time with a stopwatch. Those two guys, you need a sundial. Exactly. <laughs> to, uh, yeah, I mean, he's any other quarterback in the land. Uh, and I'm not knocking Brian Greasy because he quarterbacked this team to a national championship. Right. And he made some great plays and great runs at the at key times, but uh, he got caught from behind. Should that should have been a touchdown pass from Charles Woodson, but a but a really good smart play caught a very good Wisconsin team off guard. And it's funny because you know you go back and watch that play and the way it's set up, the convoy is ready to go. Yeah, and yeah. and 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 the big uglies, as Keith Jackson would call them, are moving, you know, moving down the field. And Brian's just like, guys, I'm going as fast as I can over here. <laughs> but he gets exactly. the one, and and yeah, it feels like that's one of those plays where it just takes all of the energy out of the stadium, and well, it, yeah. you know it. I, it's so impressive to watch Michigan's play calling in this game because they could have been conservative, but no, they're mixing it up. They're, mm-hmm. you know, getting Wisconsin off guard. So I was I was very impressed by that. And uh, and early in the second quarter, Brian Greasy would put Wisconsin to bed essentially with a 38 yard pass to Ty Streets to make the score 13 nothing. Thomas is the only setback. Fake to him, Greasy rolling right to throw. He's got all kinds of room. He's going to go deep for Ty Streets. Open at the goal line. Touchdown, Michigan! Ty Streets makes the grab for the score from 37 yards out, and the Wolverines have a 13 to nothing lead. He got behind the safety, Bobby Myers, and Greasy laid it up there in the breeze perfectly. And Ty Streets is answering his critics 
who were on him pretty big the last few weeks when he's dropped some balls. That time he got open and it was the run action fake to the wide side and a good block coming back by Mark Campbell who gave Greasy all the time in the world to allow Streets, who was split wide to the left, to run all the way to the right sideline and get the touchdown. A pair of field goals by both teams makes the score 16-3 Michigan at halftime. When we come back from the break, the Wolverines look towards a showdown with Ohio State when Road to the Victors returns after this break. We are back with Road to the Victors, the story of the 1997 Michigan Wolverines. Michigan leads Wisconsin 16-3 at halftime. Wisconsin would strike first, offering a small bit of drama in the second half, scoring a touchdown to make the game 16-10 Michigan. Yet the Wolverines' ability to grind it out made the game kind of boring, basically. Uh, in, in wrestling shows, they have these things that are called cool-offs or let-me-up matches. In some ways, with bigger things down the road, you know, you need to – you can't get your audience too high or too low. And this feels like a cool-down or a let-me-up match. Uh, th this feels like the perfect game for Michigan. Uh, take care of business, and all of a sudden, you remain undefeated. Uh, did you get that sense of that's what they were kind of doing is just not necessarily putting their foot off the pedal – but sticking to what they do best and just kind of shortening the game against Wisconsin. Yes, I thought it was very workmanlike, very efficient, uh, really on both sides of the ball. Although I remember the defensive players, uh, Glenn Steele, uh, primarily talking about how the defense didn't play a very good game that day. He was not happy with the way his defense played uh, and gave all credit to the Michigan offense. But, you know, when it got to 16-10, I – I never thought that that Michigan was in trouble, but I I knew enough basically from listening to Lloyd Carr uh, talk about how you you cannot take that this Wisconsin team lightly, and uh, you you talk about um, you know the the whole trap game mentality. Uh, Lloyd Carr had that figured out way ahead of everybody else. He reminded his team. I'm sure every day that week of the year before when they were seven and one and they went to Minnesota and one of those easy a games, you know, they should have won. They lost that game nine to three and it kind of ruined their whole season. He wanted to make sure that didn't happen to his team again. And uh, like you said, they grind, they grinded this one out uh, and grounded a really good Wisconsin team into, uh, into a defeat. Yeah. And in the fourth quarter, Michigan wouldn't make it. 26-10, and Wisconsin scored late to make things respectable, but the final score was 26-16. Michigan picks up the victory. Wisconsin has been pushed aside. Now things can be firmly focused on Michigan wrapping up the regular season against Ohio State. And there's some delicious irony that's involved with the 1997 game between Michigan and Ohio State. For the past few seasons, it had been Michigan who was looking to spoil Ohio State's dream seasons. Now right. it's Ohio State looking to spoil Michigan season. Is, is that something, the, the just the irony of it all, is that something people instantly thought about? Essentially, when the clock ran zero in Wisconsin and everybody's looking around like, Michigan could be playing for a shot at the Rose Bowl and a shot at the national championship. Yeah, I'm not sure that people 
thought about the the whole revenge factor thing. I'm not, I, I just don't think that, I know they talk about that, the players talk about it and so on, but it, it, a rivalry is rich and as vicious as uh, uh, Michigan-Ohio State doesn't need any more elements, really. I think all you need to say is Michigan-Ohio State. It, nothing else matters, really. And I think that's how, that's how fans pretty much figured it out. Now, the players themselves, you know, they especially that Michigan team had a lot of Ohio players on it. You know, that that's a big game for those guys all, all the time. But uh, I really I, I'm not sure that that that, that whole revenge factor for the fan base uh, registered as much as just oh boy here. You know that the whole business about uh, winning a Big Ten championship, going to the Rose Bowl and staying alive for a potential national championship. That was on everybody's minds, obviously. Absolutely. And, and before we let you go, uh, what are some of the initial impressions that you had about that game taking place in the big house? You know, it's a Ohio State team that essentially is kind of it's it's funny to say now because I feel like Gen Z, when they look at Ohio State back then, a down year for Ohio State. They're still in the Rose Bowl picture. They're, they're ranked fourth in the country. <laughs> when yeah. Michigan is yeah. hosting them that next week. So it's like in a down year, they're yeah. still a contender. But just what were some of your uh, impressions coming into that game between Michigan and Ohio State? Well, the, the, the uh, it, it was a stretch there in, in those years where Michigan was having a pretty good run, a pretty good streak against Ohio State. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you this again you can't ever take that team for granted even in a down year like you said a down year for Ohio State is being fourth ranked fourth in the land right I mean that hasn't changed in what since then um I, but I, I really um all the hype I just remember the hype going into it you know Michigan undefeated number one and uh facing their arch rival but the the biggest factor of them all was that they were playing at the big house and not at the horseshoe down in uh in in Columbus so that that was that was really important for that team that year before we wrap up the Wisconsin chapter but there there's something fascinating that we talked about a little bit before uh we began recording and, and uh I, I wanted to hear from you Keith you were talking about Wisconsin a little bit yeah, we talked about Wisconsin being a trap game and then followed up by the uh, Michigan-Ohio State game where there's always sniping going on between the players and the, you know, not the coaches so much, but the, the players especially and the fans, obviously. But I, I, I remember I was looking at some, some, get, preparing for this, uh, uh, what we're doing today. I went back and looked at some of my notes, uh, Andrew, and I was I, I was really struck by what the both coaches, Lloyd Carr and Barry Alvarez, had to say after that game that at Wisconsin between two, two pretty good teams, we got, um, you know, talking to Lloyd Carr. After, he said, I want to commend Wisconsin. They played a tremendous football game, hard hitting, physical, very typical of the Big Ten and for us. Lloyd Carr on, on Wisconsin. Now Barry Alvarez on Michigan. We were defeated by a very good football team, Badgers coach Barry Alvarez said. I was very impressed with the Michigan ball club. They had a lot of publicity about their great defense, and it lived up to its billing, but I was just as impressed after we played them with their offense. These are two coaches. One of them just got beaten, talking about one another. I really I was heartened by when, when I read this about the respect that coaches 
had for one another way back. It's a new era today. We got coaches. All we hear is sniping back and forth, right? When's the last time we heard this stuff from coaches, you know, uh, after, after a really competitive football game? You know, that's so fascinating, Keith, because you look at, ironically enough, the way Michigan and Ohio State coaches are now between Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh. Clearly, there's kind of a respect level, but at the same time, there there really isn't. Um, yeah. They'll say that there's a respect level. Uh, they'll acknowledge each other's teams are, are talented and good, but they want to beat each other basically – I want it to hurt. I want to beat that guy. I want it oh. to hurt. And so it's so fascinating to see how coaches were back then because there truly was, you know, it feels like Lloyd Carr knows Wisconsin's going to be something in a year or two. You can see it coming. And Barry Alvarez understands, okay, this is kind of a measuring stick for us. Ohio State and Michigan have been the measuring stick in this league for 30, 40 years this is how we measure up. I thought we accounted for ourselves pretty well, but exactly. that's a damn good team over there. So yeah, you're you're exactly right. It's so refreshing to hear and you aren't talking about recruiting battles, which I get it's a different game now than it was back then. Sure. But it still feels so refreshing as you said to see two coaches just give the ultimate respect for each other and two class gentlemen. We should no we should question. also say it reminded me of a be- what what I feel is a better time in college football for sure. And uh, you know today you, you got Harbaugh and Day Harbaugh and anybody who's coaching <laughs> on the Michigan side sidelines. They they say the right things, but it doesn't take much to read between the lines, uh, and you know that there's a healthy amount of. Uh, of uh, dislike and disrespect, you know, for, for the for the other guys, and you know, maybe that's healthy. It's just very different now, and to me, uh, it detracts a little bit from a bunch of college kids playing a good football team game on the field. While the Michigan Wolverines vanquished Wisconsin, another story was developing on the West Coast. In a game with major Rose Bowl implications, the UCLA Bruins won their eighth straight game of the season putting up 52 points against the Washington Huskies. Why is this so important? With UCLA's victory, it meant that the following Saturday, the Washington State Cougars would be playing for a spot in the Rose Bowl for the first time in 67 seasons. The Michigan Wolverines would also be playing for a spot in the Rose Bowl against a school that would like nothing more than to play spoiler in the big house. Before we go, our guest has been Keith Gave. Game audio has been provided by WJR and the Michigan Radio Network. Anjanette Delgado and Kirkland Crawford are the executive producers of this podcast. Robin Chan and Kerry Jr. II provide technical support. Peter Batia is the editor of the Detroit Free Press. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to Road to the Victors on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred streaming app of choice. And find us at freep.com slash podcasts. Please subscribe, leave a rating, and tell your friends about us. It really does help. For more information on the 1997 Michigan Wolverines, pre-order the book, Hail Yes, the story of the 1997 Michigan Wolverines at freep.com. I'm Andrew Hammond. 
and we'll see you next week.